We're going to press John's going to pray and then we're going to get right into uh, today's message. We appreciate all of you again and we thank you for your support. Thank you for showing up to everything that we do and thank you for liking the broadcast and for sharing the broadcast. Tag those people who you don't know who you normally see that aren't here and by hopefully they'll be here by the time we finish praying. Amen. Have we been doing this a year now or is it next Sunday? Uh, next Sunday's a year. Next Sunday's a year. Wow. Listen, next Sunday's a full 52 weeks. It's a full 52 weeks. We made it, y'all. We made it. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. You're so gracious and you're so kind. And we just want to thank you for how you kept your hand on this church and its people. Father, we thank you for how even in a pandemic, you have preserved us. You have protected us. You have increased us. You have prospered us. You have favored us. You have delivered us. You have taught us by your spirit. We thank you that we are better than we were this time last year. We thank you for your goodness because you have been mighty, mighty good to us. We thank you that even though um, there was so much turmoil around us that you have caused us to come out with a shout. And we thank you that you're not done with our recovery yet. We thank you that you are the God of restoration and this is a season of restoration and release for your people. We thank you, God, that you have good plans for everyone in the year of 2020. 21. And we thank you that we don't have to figure them out by ourselves. And so we thank you for the Holy yes, Spirit. Thank you, Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit yes, come and yes. open up this word to us. Come and help us to have hearts that are pliable. Help us to have hearts that are full of understanding. Help us to have hearts that are quick to obey Obey. that would make us a quick quick to to obey obey people make us a quick to obey people father we thank you for the supernatural that is on us in this season this supernatural breakthrough that will permeate every area of our lives and we thank you that of so much of it is released through us understanding the authority that we have in the lord jesus christ so we pray right now you said anytime we can see here and understand that we would be converted and healed and so we declare that this is our conversion day and this is our healing day and we thank you that because of Jesus it's it's possible and we believe that we receive that today someone is going to get blessed and it is is in Jesus name amen Amen. Amen. come on and raise them amen share this broadcast with someone Listen, you. I love when you say that today somebody's going to be blessed. It's me. It's going to be me. It's going to be, be me. And so we declare blessings upon every person who is watching live and every person who's going to watch the replay. Uh, there were over 7,000 uh, individual uh, watches last week. Oh, wow. Which I think was really, really cool. Uh, and so we see that we're, the, the broadcast is getting reached. And that's because of people I like, I like our, our partners. partners. Because they share that broadcast. They put it on their story. People see it. They share it. And, and the word of God just gets spread out. Out to everybody and so we certainly want that to happen today because today we're talking about how to exercise your authority as a believer yes how to exercise your authority as a believer now see I, I learned this from you because we're a teaching ministry we want to make sure because we know we have so many new people you may be wondering how can we expect to be blessed every day Psalms 103 tells us that he daily loads up. Well, Psalm 68 tells us that he daily loads us with benefits. And Psalms 103 tells us not to forget those Mm -hmm. benefits. So understand that when you are standing in expectation to be blessed every day, you are not greedy. 
You are just asking for your portion yes. for today, mm -hmm. which is why Jesus said, when you pray, pray, thy will be done on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. There is daily. It's not just food. It's everything yes. you need for this day. So we want to make sure that you understand this because this is a teaching ministry. We want you to be able to know why we say what we say and then be able to apply it in your daily living. Absolutely. And the truth of the matter is you can't exhaust heaven's resources. You cannot. You cannot exhaust heaven's resources. So uh, you don't even have to see it or have a thought that it's being greedy because you can't exhaust heaven's resources. You cannot exhaust Amen. heaven's resources. And so today we want to talk about how to exercise your authority as a believer. Amen. And for those who haven't been with us the last several weeks, we want to just kind of briefly tell you how we got here. We got here because in February we started talking about the power in the, in name, the name of Jesus. Jesus. And we started talking about, we took us two or three weeks and we finally got through uh, those 10 points that we wanted to talk about. And we've been sharing those. We won't share all 10 of those today. Uh, we'll just encourage people to go back and listen to the we last should. broadcast because we need to get into, we're going to, no, not today. You go back and listen to the broadcast. If you want to know what those 10 things are, you go back, you listen to the broadcast, it will bless you. But today we're going to get into these additional points about our authority because it's wonderful for you to know that, that there's power in the name of Jesus, but we need you to know that what he has done is he's taken that power. He's taken all of those abilities and he has given it to men through the power of the Holy Spirit Amen. that lives on the inside of Amen. us. And so we have a couple of foundational scriptures that we've been using that we'll go back to. Uh, and then we'll get into these five points uh, that we want to share with you today, because we want you to know that you have, did it, yes, Jesus has all power, but he did not leave us powerless. He did he not. Died, he, did, he didn't just get the power and be like, look at me. He said, I'm going to distribute this to everyone that believes. Amen. And so we're going to start off in Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. It says, and when they saw him, when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, mm -hmm. but he, but some doubted that it was actually him. And the next verse says, Jesus came up and he said to them, all authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He then says, go in my authority and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me. That's what we've been talking about. Believe in me. Believe we've been talking about that. And most importantly, obey my words. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. He then goes on to say, teaching them to do what? To observe everything that I have commanded you. And here's his promise. And lo, I am with you how long? Always, Always. remaining with you. I love this perpetually, regardless of circumstances and on every occasion. So even bad occasions, he's still there. He's still with us. He says, even to the end of the ages. And so we've been using Matthew 28 to kind of just fortify this idea that, that there's power in the name of Jesus, yes. but that power was given to us. And we, 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 we released that power when we learned to to believe in him, to learn of him, and, and to obey, obey his him. word. That's how yes. we begin to release that power that he's given to us. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 2, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, neither is there salvation 
and we've been Any spending time talking about what salvation is. It's not just dying and going to heaven. It's deliverance. It's deliverance. It says, and neither is there salvation, deliverance, or freedom, total deliverance in any other name. Except for the name of Jesus. It says, for there is none other name under heaven uh, given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. We must be delivered. And Amen. we talked about the fact that being delivered uh, is, is different than just being rescued. Because if you get rescued, you can get kidnapped again. But when Jesus delivers us, there is no going back. It's like the Bible says, that scripture that says, uh, this thing shall not come nigh you a second time. And so there are some things that when we uh, exercise our power as as believers, uh, there are things that don't get to keep plaguing us over and over and over. No, I love that. And then we went last week. Uh, uh, another one of the foundational scriptures we added is Colossians mm -hmm. 2, 11 through 15, yep. which is so incredibly good. Um, it says, I believe this is the passion translation. It says through our union with him, we have experienced a circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away mm. and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised Amen. with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. The, this realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, mm -hmm. but now, but now we've been resurrected out of the realm of death, never to return never again. To return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our all sins. All of our sins. He canceled out every legal yes. violation we yes. had on our record. The old arrest warrant that stood to indict us, he, he erased, erased it all. all. Our sins, our stained soul, mm. he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Cannot. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Yes. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and their and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, yes. Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not he their was not. prisoner. They were his. They were his. And we talked last <laughs> week about why That's this so is good. so important in understanding our authority as a believer. Yes. It is important for you to understand you do not have to live in sin. You don't. You do you not have to live in sin. Verse 14 in tells fact, us that. It yes. says he canceled, he canceled out, out every legal yes. violation we had on our record. Yes. It says the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. We were guilty. Mm -hmm. We had done it. It was in our nature. It was how we acted. He says, no, no, no. He erased it all. Yes. He erased our sin. He erased our stained soul and he deleted it and they cannot be retrieved. That's right. I think this right here is so important because I think that this is really the foundation of the work I do in Soul Shift, which is that when you start the process knowing that you've already been delivered, it's a lot easier to walk through mm -hmm. it. See, when you think that God is trying to deliver you from something, he's trying to deliver you out of depression, anxiety, all of that different stuff, 
then that diminishes your confidence. Yes. When you get this scripture here, this thing, <clears throat> he's already delivered you. Mm -hmm. Now what you're doing is that you're getting in that vehicle of obedience mm -hmm. and you are now coming into agreement with what has already been done. Mm -hmm. And I believe that one of the biggest tragedies for so many believers is that they don't know the full weight of what Jesus has done. Well, that's why that scripture says when you read verse 14 there, it says he canceled out every legal violation that we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He then says he erased it all, which is which is praiseworthy right there. He, but what did he erase? Our sins, but not just the sins, our stained souls as Ooh. a result of the sin. And what is our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our imagination, and our intellect? He didn't just take care of the sin issue. That's he good, took babe. care of the stain that sin left. Because sin, le sin leaves a stain on our souls. Yes. Because God can our deliver sin us. and other people yes, sin Because us. God can deliver us in an instant. But then the effects of what we have done or been involved with can still perpetually bother us. He says, no, he, may, he didn't just erase the sin. He erased the stain of that, too. And so we have to know that when he delivered us, he didn't just deliver us from the consequences of sin. He delivered us from the stain of it, from the stain of sin. Now, if you add in, it's not in our notes, but in third John, where it says, beloved, above all things, I wish you would prosper, even as your soul prosper. He set our soul up to prosper. He said, I'm removing the stain from you. I don't care what happened to you. I don't care what you've been caught up in. What I did on the cross, it is bigger than that if you will let it be. And that's why I believe that one of the greatest things this ministry does is that it moves people from just thinking about heaven, mm. about going to heaven to be delivered and teaches people how to live delivered right here in the earth realm. And I think so they can experience prosperity in every, every area, area of life. life. And I believe that if you I believe that if people would just take this one scripture, this <coughs> Colossians 2, 11 through 15, and they would read it every day for 30 days, what would happen is that they would begin to get a boldness to begin to put sin in its proper place. They would get a boldness to begin to put turmoil and grief and anxiety in its proper place, which is under your feet. That's why the yep. that's where the Bible says it should be. It says that this blood is such a powerful cleansing agent that it literally has the ability to take your mind, will, emotions, intellect, and imagination and wash them yep. whiter than snow yep. so that no matter what has happened to you, no matter what ha what you have done, you don't have to live tormented by it or in bondage to it. Tell your neighbor, say, I've been delivered from all bondage. Amen. I've been delivered from all bondage. See, that's the reason that in my younger years, I didn't have this revelation. And because I didn't have this revelation, it used to bother me when I read that scripture, when the apostle Paul would say, I've wronged no man. I'm like, how can the apostle Paul say that he's wrong? No man. He was responsible for pe for putting people in jail who was trying to live for Jesus. He was responsible for having people killed who was living for Jesus. How can he say he wronged no man? Paul understood what I now understand is that when he had his conversion process on the Damascus Road, that when he was forgiven, he was forgiven to such a degree that anything he had done before could not be laid charge to his account. So he was That's able, good. he was literally able to say with, with all sincerity, I have never wronged any man. Why? Because he realized that he was new in Christ and that what he had done before couldn't be laid to his charge. And it used to bother me when he said that because I didn't have that revelation because I, you know, I grew up that I was, I knew I was delivered from sin. 
Uh, but but you're going to have to pay for some of that stuff you did. That was my thinking. That was my upbringing. But now that I understand that, that's not what the word of God says. The word of God doesn't say that we have to then pay for the sins that we did until we've paid enough penance to now be good. good. It says he literally delivers us from bondage. And when he delivers us from bondage, he takes the stain and the sin away. I love this. Dexter Lee just said something so important. He said, Paul so believed in what happened to him, he changed his name. Yep. I want to ask you, do you so believe in the power of the cross, in the blood that was shed, that it has changed your identity and your name? Mm -hmm. It ought to change what people yep. call you. Yep. It ought to change if they used to call you angry, if they used to call you addict, if they used to call you, oh, it ought to change your name. He so believed it that it changed yep. his name. And I believe that what God desires to do in this series is to elevate many believers, people who are good people, people who love Jesus, people who continue to come to church, yep. even in a pandemic, yep. but still don't understand that you have dominion over sin. And, and you know, it's it's one thing. It's, it's great to have dominion over money. It's great to have dominion over favor and all of those things, but to have dominion over money and still be trusted trapped in sin and still because see the enemy is such a bully that literally what he'll do is he'll talk you into sinning and then talk bad to you mm -hmm. about your sin. Yep. He'll tell you, yep. yeah, you should go ahead and cuss yep. him out yep. and then turn around and tell you, but I, I thought can't you believe, was, I, I can't, can't believe, believe you did, did that. that. I thought right. you were saying right. he'll tell you that it did you because the Bible says he's an accuser. He's so an he's accuser looking for opportunities yes. to accuse us. And that's the reason I so believe that people ought to really take you up on that challenge and read Colossians 2 11 through 15. One a day for the next 30 days if they do that then what we read in hebrews 2 1 through, on. uh 14 and 18 really begins to solidify for yes. us because in hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 it says this is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truth that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. I need to read Colossians 2, 11 through 15, and I need to read it every day, and I need to read it at least once or twice a day for 30 days. Why? So that I don't ever drift off course concerning that word over my life, that I have been, that the sin over my life has been canceled, and so has the stain on my soul as a result Ooh, the stain of it. It's soul. been canceled. And then verse 14 says this, it says, since all his children, that's us, have flesh and blood. So Jesus became human to fully identify with us. He did this so that he could experience death and so he could alienate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. Now, we just said that the enemy is what? An accuser. He's an accuser of the brethren. The Bible says that if we if we won't drift off course to this knowledge in second, this knowledge in Colossians, then what will happen is that Jesus has already came and lived his life as a human so that he could fully identify with us mm -hmm. and so that he could also so stop the accuser from bullying us. Uh -huh. Verse 15 says, by embracing death, Jesus set free those who lived their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. For it is clear that he didn't do this for his angels, but for all the sons and all the daughters of Abraham. Somebody put in the comment section, that's me. That's me. That's me. You that's are a son me. and a daughter of Abraham. That's you me. are the seed. 
of Abraham. And so you need to know that that is you. Jesus didn't do all of this for, for the angels. He, so, he did it so, for so he us. Was, we're, we're, our status is higher than that. He did it for us. He did it for for you. He did it for me. He did it for he did it for the people who don't even acknowledge him. Yes. He did it for us. And you know what's so beautiful? Because we used to say this all the time. Why should I stay bound when Jesus set me free? Yes. Why should you stay bound? Why should you continue to be tormented? Why should you continue to be caught up in sin? Why should you stay there when Jesus did all the yes. heavy lifting so you don't have to? He did it for you. He did it for he you. He did it for me. Thank he God. did it for y'all. Thank he God did he did it for us. He did it. They saying that's me. That's right. Me. That's me. He did that for me. And now I know you're about to get into our opening statement, but let me just ask you guys, this is just something to think about. If you really saw yourself as new, if you really changed your name, how would you live different going forward? Mm. How, I want you to stop and think about that. If you really took this word and put this word on that your stained soul had been wiped clean, that you had been separated from all sin, how would you live mm. differently? How would you live differently? You know, I, I I remember when Chris and Tamara came to live with us. Mm -hmm. And one of the best things I believe about Chris and Tamara coming to live with us is that I believe it worked out the double mindedness that most people live mm -hmm. with. And I think the reality of it is, you know, we've even seen it in recent media that people show up one way and then behind the scenes when they think the mic is off behind the scenes, when they don't think anybody's listening, <laughs> they communicate in a very different kind of way. Yes, sir. That is because they yes, sir, do Doc. not recognize <laughs> that God has never called us to live the double life as a Christian. I, I, I should not be one way at church, one way on a live, and then you come to my house and you hear me acting in complete opposite. And what many believers have perfected is double is living multiple mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. What you have perfected is the ability to come to church and say blessed and highly favored and then get in your car and cuss somebody out. And what God is saying is no, is that if I give attention mm -hmm. to this word right here, I will understand that this, this life I've been called to, it's not a front to mm -hmm. put on for other people. Mm -hmm. It is literally supposed to be who I become. I should not be, hey, hallelujah, praise the Lord to everybody as long as the camera's on. And then I'm cussing you when nobody's looking or I'm mean or when I'm out in Walmart and nobody knows I'm Pastor Sean. I'm being all contentious. There should be a unity in our lives. And I love that when Chris and Tamara came to live with us, and I think it's the best grow up maturity experience we ever had, is that it forced us to merge those multiple personalities. Mm -hmm. It forced us, and as a result, it caused our kids to grow up in a house where many people don't even realize the reason your kids don't respect God, the reason your kids don't respect church is because they watch you live double exactly. lives. They watch you shout and then they watch you cuss because you worry. They watch you and your husband not speak to each other. And he's saying, no, we've been delivered from that. So now I'm asking you again, as we transition into this thesis statement for this morning, I'm asking you this right here. If you really believe, that what we just read in Colossians 1 was more than a fairy tale, mm -hmm. was more than a fable, mm -hmm. was more than Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. If you really believe Hebrews 2, 
How would you live differently? Mm. Go live that. Mm -hmm. Go live the that. The Bible is clear. It says that a double-minded man it's should not think he's going to get anything. It says he's unstable in all of his ways, and he should not even think that he's going to receive anything from the Lord. And so double-minded ain't just about be believing he is Jesus or he's not Jesus. Oh, that's good. Double-minded is, is, is anything that contradicts what you say you believe in. Come on. So, so we got to get out, we got to get out of that double-mindedness. Yeah. So we're going to get to our thesis statement. I want to finish reading Hebrews 14 through 18 real awesome. quick. That's okay. Verse 17 says this. It says, this is why we had to, this is why he had to my Jesus. He had to be a man and take hold of our humanity in every way. He made us his brothers and sisters, and he became our merciful and faithful king and priest before God. It says, as the one who removed our sins to make us one with him. And then I love verse 18 because it goes in perfectly with our thesis, thesis statement this morning. It says, he suffered and he endured every test and every temptation why so, so that, that he can, he can help, help us win every time we pass through what the ordeals of, of life. life he says listen i'm going to go before you i'm going to suffer everything that you could ever suffer i'm going to defeat it then i'm going to give you the same power that i used to defeat it so that if it ever happens to show up in your life you don't have to feel like you're abandoned because I've already defeated and gave you the power to do the same. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful That'll thing. That'll preach for you right there. That means that, listen, I got the Holy Spirit on the inside mm -hmm. of me who is navigating me every step of the way. He will tell me not to post that. Mm -hmm. He will tell me not to go there. Mm -hmm. He will tell me not to be friends mm -hmm. with that person. He will not. To, he will tell me that person is not a person I should be in relationship mm -hmm. with. He will tell me to take this job, mm -hmm. not to take that job. He'll tell me to he, move to this city, not to move to that city, he, or to stay where I am. He'll tell he us. He will help us win mm -hmm. every single time. Every time. He will help us if we listen. Yeah. If we listen. And then what begins to happen if we begin to practice? Listen, I believe in Hebrews, it says that we can train our senses. Train your senses. We can train our senses in right and wrong. Many of us, we've got, we got to let our senses grow <laughs> right. up. I love what Joshua yeah, just I said. Yep. He said, Jesus beat the game of life <laughs> and gave us the cheat codes. Yep. yep. Anybody yep. know anything about video games? Yep. Know that there's somebody That's out it. there always That's looking it. for the cheat codes. That's it right the there. Holy Ghost is our cheat code. Yes, I love we it. have the love cheat it. code. We don't have to be tossed to and from. I want to circle back to this one thing because I think it's such a good point that you made. When we're talking about being double-minded, I thought it was so important that you said that this is not just Jesus, Lord, Jesus isn't Lord. Right. Jesus can bless me. Jesus mm -hmm. won't bless me. Mm -hmm. This is literally living with that two personalities. Mm -hmm. This is literally living with that. I remember years ago that one of the lessons we learned that we didn't have to go off on each other. Because literally, if one of us got a phone call in the middle of an argument, we could switch and, right, and handle right, it the right, right way. Right. So because we had the self-control mm -hmm. to now respond appropriately, if our boss called, if we were in a meeting, we knew we, that we had the ability. Many believers have not demanded of themselves <laughs> that they bring themselves in alignment with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the truth of it is, is that they have been comfortable being two people. But that double-mindedness, yeah 
is is keeping them because the Bible says if you double minded, you won't receive. Now, I just want to parenthetically insert this, especially if you're a husband. The Bible says if you don't deal with your wife, well, God doesn't even hear your prayers. So it is of a benefit to you to learn how to deal with your wife appropriately in a way that honors God, because he says God don't even listen to you when you don't treat your wife well. Listen, this is how you know that we were we were so double minded years ago in that area uh, and, and years ago, years ago. Uh, but but years but, ago. but but we would we could have an argument. Uh, one of us would get a phone call. We would stop, be like, hey, how you doing? Have a whole conversation, hang up and then go right back to the argument. <laughs> no, here's my best one. This is how crazy we were because we didn't know about the power of the Holy Ghost and how he could really help us. One Sunday we argued. We were not pastors. So don't be talking so about this, us. We've been past. So you were talking about years ago. Years, years ago, ago, we argued all the way to church. <laughs> we sat in church. We clapped. We shouted. We said, "Preach, preacher." We greeted all of the people when sure church did. was over. Got back, <laughs> back in, in that the car, car and picked up the <laughs> argument. That is the essence of double mindedness. Yep, it is the essence absolutely. of double minded. And if we look it's back at that time, with no power. it's religion with no power. Yep. Having a form of godliness. Yep but denying the power thereof. Mm. So literally we're in the presence of God where we can let it go. We like, I'm going to do this church thing because that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> but I morning. got something for uh, you. But I got something to, for you when we got back in this car. <laughs> and many of you, you are living this way. You're double-minded. What do I mean? Your your, your Facebook posts, your, your Facebook posts, they look like the blessed and highly favored, but your DM is something ratchet. You're living a double <laughs> life. You're living a double life. And that double-mindedness, it is keeping you from receiving from God. And if you want to receive in this year of release, you better get rid of all that. And see, I want you to hear me. So don't put in the comments, Lord, take it from me. He ain't going to take it from me because he already took it. You got to release it. You got to release it. You've got to decide that you want to grow up enough. I begin to think about it like this. If, if if I truly believe that God was everywhere mm-hmm. if and he could see me anywhere, mm-hmm. I wanted my behavior to be appropriate anywhere. Mm-hmm. I wanted to reflect him anywhere. Many of us have been okay reflecting him um, okay pro- publicly and then not thinking about how mm-hmm. we reflect him privately. Mm-hmm. And we want to work out that double-mindedness. Amen. Why? Because if we don't, this authority thing simply isn't going to work. That's right. That's right. You can go ahead. All right, Nietzsche said we got a thesis statement. Yes, if we, you know, if Pastor Edward do the notes, we go have a thesis. You statement. You got to have something that grounds what you're about to teach. So here's our thesis statement for today. Amen, Pastor. <laughs> because of what Jesus did, we have the authority to walk on top of any situation that tries to destroy us. When we have faith in this, then we give all of heaven permission to intervene on our behalf. Amen. Amen. Because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus did. We have the authority. Yes. And I think that's the thing that we miss sometimes is that we think that Jesus has the authority. So we keep waiting for him to do something. But the reality of it is, is that we have the authority and we have the authority to walk on top of any situation. Any. And I think that's important. Situations should dominate us. We should dominate situations. Why? Because he has given us the power to destroy anything that comes against us. We have to understand that when we have faith in Colossians 2, when we understand that and we have faith in what he's done for us, then it gives heaven permission to intervene on our behalf. Because when we don't, what we do is we almost, in essence, block heaven from intervening on our behalf because we don't deem ourselves worthy of it. 
We don't deem ourselves worthy. Uh, and, and most people watch this. They don't deem themselves worthy of having intervening on their behalf until they feel like they are about to just almost go under. You don't have to live your life to where you're almost going under before you allow heaven to intervene in your life. Can I, can I add this? Absolutely. I'd like to add that sometimes whatever bondage we're caught in actually feels good. And I think that that's one of the mistakes that the, that the old church used to make because they used to act like all sin felt bad and all sin doesn't feel bad. Mm. And so because a lot of sin feeds your flesh. Mm -hmm. And so the truth of it is we don't actually want heaven to intervene. We don't actually want the Holy Ghost to help us stop cussing. We don't actually want the Holy Ghost to help us come out of that relationship. And then what we want to do is we don't want we don't want authority over ourselves. We want to be able to do what ourself wants to do. And then we want authority over everything mm -hmm. else. So I don't want authority over and have self-control, walk in forgiveness. But I want to be able to say to money, come to me right now. Yeah. I want to be able to say to yeah. a job, yeah. come to me right now. Yeah. I want to be able to put myself in a new house. I want to be able to call myself the CEO of a company. But I don't want to submit to this authority on a personal level, which once again speaks to the double-mindedness. Because many times we're trying to use the authority against things and other people instead of taking this authority and using it over ourselves. Amen. So it becomes an accountability factor. You know, I have, I, to like be, I have to be accountable for the fact that there are things in my life that that I don't want to let go. Come and on. I have to be willing to admit that although those things I have used maybe to protect myself or defend myself or as a comfort, they are they are antithetical to the word of God. So I got to let them go. Oh, come on. I, I can't keep them, even though they even though I've gotten used to using them, they, they're, they're not good for me. And then the question becomes, OK, Pastor Edwin, how do I do that? Well, that's in our very first point. You've been given the power to overcome every obstacle believers are clothed with tremendous power yes. because of, of jesus, jesus christ. christ we are we are the bible says it like this it's, it he told him in acts it says you shall be endued with power after that the holy ghost is come up on mm -hmm. you so those of us who are believers who have asked holy spirit to come into our lives we have to understand and acknowledge that we are clothed with a with, with what the Bible calls dudamus is a rearranging power. Yes, it's a power that it's a moving, it's furniture, a moving power. furniture, a blowing up building kind of kind of power. I mean, it it, it 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 moves everything out of its way, and we've been clothed with that kind of power. And the good thing is is that God's power and God's will they both come to pass through us. It's important for us to know that we're not just a we're not a chess piece in this game, that we're waiting for something to happen. We God has given us this power, this ability to make these decisions and that his will for our life. It comes to pass through us, which mm -hmm. means we have to mm -hmm. be involved. Mm -hmm. Power is defined as ability and as authorization. So God's given me the power and the authorization to release that double-mindedness you're talking about. Come on. He's not going to come down and snatch the double-mindedness from me. He says, I don't have to do that. I've given you the power and the authorization to do that. I mean, think about that. You know, if uh, and, and, and you have power of attorney. You have, you have power of attorney for me, right? And so at the end of the day, you have some authority and some authorization to do things on my behalf as though you were me. That's the same thing that the word is telling That's a us. Beautiful thing. It's the same thing the word is telling us. We have the power and the authorization to behave just like Christ. So if a situation shows up, we can do the same thing to that situation that Christ would have done to that situation. Yes. 
Yes. God's power is it's, it's constant. It's not like you got to charge it up. You know, uh, it's not like a cell phone where you use the cell phone over the course of several hours and the power run down and then you got to charge it back up. God's power is constant in our lives. Every situation you find yourself in, every temptation that comes your way, every circumstance uh, that you could ever imagine uh, that shows up into your life, you have the same amazing power to deal with it as it's the same exact power that got Christ up from the grave. What a beautiful revelation. What a beautiful revelation. What a beautiful revelation that literally in any situation, any situation. I can tap into the supernatural power of God Yes, and I can come out of that situation victorious because I have done the thing that pleases and honors God. That is just so And in doing beautiful. so, I, I, I literally have power of attorney. I work in the same capacity the God works. I work in the same capacity. Same to capacity. God works. The That's God really works. good. You know, there's a scripture. I think it is in Luke um, that I had here. Um, Luke ten nineteen. It says, "Behold, watch this. I give you power to do what? Tread to tread on, on serpents, serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing what shall by any mm -hmm. means." Hurt you now. You know when he uses this, this this terminology for them, serpents and scorpions, they were out in the desert. Those were the things that could injure them. Those were the things that could take their life. So he says to them, "Behold, I've given you power to tread up on those things. You ain't got to run from them. So whatever is in your life that ap that appears as a serpent, as a serpent or a scorpion, something that's dangerous to you, he says, I've given you power over all of the enemy." Any enemy, that, any, anything that's against you, I've given you the power against it. He says, and nothing shall by any means harm you. I love that. And he says, and over all, over all, over all. So your mouth, mm -hmm. your, your sexual desires, um, what you want to do in life. He says anything um, um, being molested, being sexually assaulted, being rejected, being abused. He says, literally. I have given you power to tread over that mm -hmm. and all the power of the enemy yes. and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, you nothing. may be thinking, you may be thinking, but I've been hurt. Then here's the thing. You've been hurt. So now then you get to go get restitution. Mm -hmm. You not only get healed, mm -hmm. but you get restitution because in Proverbs, it tells us if the thief be caught, he must repay sevenfold. So once I find out that there are things that have happened to me in my life that the enemy did because I was ignorant, because I did not know of this power, not only do I take my peace back, I then begin to wreak havoc on his kingdom and take my payment back and my restoration back because you should have never touched me to be Begin with. Somebody to type in the comment sections. I have the power. I have the power. I have the power. That reminds and me of that movie where Denzel, remember that time when he climbed up on that thing? It's so old. I have no idea what movie you're talking Denzel about. Denzel and Ice Tea. I don't know. Somebody in the comment section will probably know what movie you're talking about. I don't know. Denzel actually said, I had a power. Like when he's on top of the thing, because the thing off shocks all these people, they die. <laughs> I have no idea again what movie you talking about. I bet somebody will tell you though. <laughs> and listen, then we get to Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 and verse 8, it says, And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against what? Against what? Unclean, unclean spirits. spirits. He gave them the power to do what to those unclean spirits? To cast them out and to do what? Heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. You know, we he, know. 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. What I was going to say <laughs> is that I think what happens here sometimes is people read this and then what they're doing is trying to cast the devil out of other people. Mm -hmm. And what you need to be trying to do is cast uncleanness out your own self, right? And if you do that, then you can because the, because there are people who don't have the ability to cast it out of themselves. Uh -huh. And so that is why it is important for us as believers to, yes, make sure that we are able to cast it out of ourselves because we are supposed to be God's ambassadors in the earth so that we can cast out those unclean spirits from the people who don't have that ability, which is why he says, heal the sick, cleanse, cleanse the, the leper, lepers, raise the, the dead, dead, cast out devils, freely you have received and freely you give. Amen. Amen. So we practice casting out unclean spirits. Another thing for unclean spirits is unclean thoughts. It's an unclean thought to, to, to meditate on cussing people out. It's my responsibility to cast that down and to take authority over that. And then if I do it, I have the ability to take authority over things that are impacting and oppressing other people. But it needs to start with me. The use of authority of God's authority needs to start with me in my own life. Yes, we have the same authority as Christ, but it does us no good if we don't believe it. Amen. Ricochet. Ricochet. Okay. I don't you don't even I don't, remember, I don't, do you? I don't remember that Okay. Movie. It's okay, though. All right. Now what? Point two. <laughs> oh, point two. <laughs> God won't do anything that he's already told us to do. And I think this is one of the things that is hard for people to understand. We've been authorized to get the devil off of our back and to keep him off. We have authority over everything from the devil, including fear and disease. There's a scripture. I believe it's Hebrews one and three. That's the scripture we're going to look at. It says, um, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person mm -hmm. and upholding all things by the word, word of, of his, his power. power. When he by himself, when he had by himself purged our sin, sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Mm. It literally says that what Jesus came and did is that Jesus came and did the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. He came and he did what we could not do. We could not cleanse ourselves from sin. And then he gave us authority and then he went and sat down. So now if something's going to get done, we got to do it. We got to do it. Because he did the heavy lifting at first. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. So if we're going to come out of something, if we're going to change something, if we're going to see something done, and we see this so many times, even when we're talking about things like when people are talking about wealth transfer, they're like, God is going to do it. No, God is giving you power. Now you're going to have to take and use these opportunities that he's giving you in order to create something. Jesus isn't getting up, coming down every time there's a problem because he left enough power here and the Holy Ghost to deal with all the problems. It's like this. Mm. If you hire someone to do a job and you've given them everything they need to do the job, right? You've hired, let's say you've hired an admin and you've given that admin access to your calendar. You've given that admin access. She has a computer. She has a, a phone, everything you need. But then every time it's time to make an appointment, she like, um, is it okay to make this appointment? I need, I, I need Sean to come in here and make this appointment. Um, I don't really even need right, you here right. for this. Because you're because not operating in the authority you've been given. You're not operating in the authority that you've been given. I want to encourage you to operate in your God-given authority. Mm. And to remember, God won't do anything that he's already told us to do. So if he's already given you the ability to do it, here's a good example. 
The Bible tells us to guard our hearts mm -hmm. for out of it flow the issues of life. We got to guard it. We got to guard mm -hmm. our hearts. That means it's up to me to determine what goes in my eye right. gate, what goes in my ear gate, what comes out of my heart. Absolutely. That's on me. Absolutely. He's not coming to guard Absolutely. my heart Absolutely. because he's given me what it need. I need to guard my heart. Yes. Right. That is why Jesus said it is finished. Mm -hmm. It's finished. He meant I've done all my part. Now you're empowered to do your part. Now you're empowered to go back to Genesis 1, be fruitful, multiply, exercise dominion, subdue, and replenish. Mm -hmm. You're not waiting on me. Mm -hmm. And we use this, I'm waiting on God to see what he's going to do. He's already told you what he's going to do. And what he's not going to do is the stuff that he told you to do. Absolutely. And the reason that people use that phrase, I'm waiting on God, is they don't understand, in essence, what you've just said, which is that God is not going to do that which he's given us the authority to do. That would be a violation of his law, which goes right into point number three, which is that God's word is spiritual law. They and it doesn't change. change. So it doesn't matter how how eloquent my prayer is. It doesn't matter how how decorated my prayer closet is. It doesn't matter how organized it is and how I can go in there and how I can I can pray and how I got uh, confessions all on the wall and they're in different colors and their color. color. Listen, you can do all of that. You can pour your heart out. You can cry. You can weep. That doesn't move God. He's not going to supersede and change his law because we don't want to operate within the law. He's just not going to do it. And it's one and one of the things we really see in this generation is we see a generation to keep trying to make God progressive. God isn't progressing because he's the most progressive it is. And the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today and forevermore. And I don't care. God is God doesn't violate his word. In fact, in Hebrews, he would cease to be God to yes, violate his word. Say, he says if he doesn't keep yes. his word, you can't even trust him as God. Right. God does not. For example, God has given every man the measure of faith. He's called every one of us to walk by yep. faith. Say every believer is called to walk by faith. Yep. Every believer is called to walk by faith. Your ignorance of walking by faith, your refusal to walk by faith, it will not modify God's requirement that to receive from the kingdom of God, you are required to walk yes. by faith. He's not going to throw that away because you go, I didn't learn that in Sunday school. He's like, well, now it's time for you to learn it because that's the way it works. Now, thank God, that's where grace and mercy comes in, mm -hmm. where he helps us in the time when we're ignorant. And I believe Jesus says this. I believe he actually says it in Mark, where he talks about how that when we don't know to do, we aren't beat with many stripes. But there is a time when we know to do and we get beat with many stripes, meaning we the consequences are heaped on us because we actually refuse to participate in the process of what God is calling us to do. And so it's so important for us to understand God will not change. His law does not change. His love does not change. His word does not change. So when he says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That's what he means. Because he he remains constant in every situation. He won't go back. The reason he remains constant in every situation is so you can find him in every situation. Oh, that's good. Baby. Because if he, if he didn't remain constant in every situation, you couldn't find him in every situation. Every situation is different, but the constant is God. 
The, the, the variable that doesn't change is God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He keeps his promises and he keeps his word. And the Bible is filled with scriptures that tell us that. One of the scriptures uh, that tells us that we can see in Psalms 89, 34. It says, my covenant will I not break. He said, I won't alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. So whatever God has established, that is what we can rest assured on. We don't, it, everything else around it can change, but that won't change. When he says, lo, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you always. And we read that to say perpetually in every situation. I can rest on that. That means every situation. That's why That's why you'll never hear me say, that's well, I don't good. know where I can't find God in this situation. He's there. He's His word there. tells me he's there. That he won't move from that situation. And then we see in Psalms 119 and 89, he says, forever, O Lord, thy word is what? Settled. settled in heaven. So if it's settled in heaven and then we pray thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven then his word is settled in heaven therefore his word has to be settled in earth mm -hmm. and watch this when i say earth i'm talking about in my heart earth this is my earth. this is earth. the earth i'm talking about yes. not just not just on this planet in this realm in my heart it needs to be settled in my heart and then we read romans 3 27 it says where is boasting then uh, it is excluded by what by, by what law of works? Nay, but the law of faith. So that's how I'm able to to rest assured that in every situation, God's law is working because it's, it's based on faith. I believe in his word. And, you know, when we talk about laws, we say this all the time. When we talk about laws, that a law is simply a principle that works for everybody. And so if a law is a principle that works for everybody, then it it's not just that Edwin and Sean can trust God because they pastors or Chris can trust God because she's a she's a she's a pastor in the worship leader or Ralph can can trust God because he's a pastor in, in an associate pastor at the church. No, no, no. You can trust God if you believe his word. Because God is trustworthy. Because his law does not change. And, and the so truth of that's, it is. That's the part that we have to keep reminding ourselves. He doesn't change. He's constant. We Many times we want God to change, but if if God changed the way we wanted him to, he wouldn't even be trustworthy. Mm. He wouldn't even be trustworthy if God was so fickle that he responded to every emotional flight, that he, he responded to yeah. every bit of trouble. If God, too, responded in his emotions, he wouldn't even be trustworthy mm -hmm. because emotions are so fickle. We many times we want God to show up like we would when we mad. We want him to be mm. mad when we happy. We want him to be happy. But if God operated like that, we couldn't trust him because we can't even trust our own selves when we are emotional. Which 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 is the problem, because when we operate that way. We actually, which is point four, we limit God's ability to work on our behalf. We limit God's ability to work on our half, uh, 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 his ability to work on our behalf because we think he ought to be operating the way we operate. That's right. No, that's really good. Um, um, point four says we actually have the ability to limit God. We hinder his will for our lives when we fail to use our authority. We need to cooperate with him. This is yes. so important to me. I see believers say this all the time, and it is one of the biggest misconceptions in the kingdom. They say, nobody can stop God's will for me. Lies. Yeah. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can stop. And, they, and I know what people say, well, if God is God, then, then you can't stop God for doing it. He can do whatever. He could, except that he's already established his laws to work a certain way, and then to violate his laws would mean that he would God. So therefore he won't violate his law. So then you can stop him. You can stop him because <laughs> in logic. his sovereignty, 
in his sovereignty, he has given humanity choice. Yes. And everyone knows it because everyone here has dated someone that he told you not to date. You've done something you knew you wasn't supposed to do. And he did not intervene. You, you, you were speeding. You cheated at the job. You didn't fill out the timesheet right. Everyone has done something he has told you not to do, and he did not intervene and stop mm -hmm. you. Why? Because God is not operating as your puppet master. So when we, we limit God, when we won't come into obedience and use this authority, mm -hmm. and I think that's so good because so many people, you're like, why am I in this situation? Why, if God really cared, he would do something. Mm -hmm. No, God has given you the something to do, mm -hmm. but you have to be willing to do it. It's like this. If you have um, a negative mindset in some area, yep. right? God is not just going to give you amnesia and change your mind. Right. You're going to have to change. The Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the part you're going to have to do. You have to choose to develop a growth mindset over a fixed mindset. Absolutely. Now, what does that mean? You may have to go out and find the information about what a fixed mindset is, what a growth mindset is. You may have to practice doing the things that are necessary, but he's not just going to change you because it's best to have a growth mindset. You got to make the decision you want one, and then you got to have the faith that he'll help you, and then you got to do the work. Yes. And so if you do not, I want everybody to hear me. This is the year of release. Yep. This is your season of great harvest. It is. This is the time for five to one. It is. But if you refuse to follow God's instruction, you will miss the year of release. Yep. You will miss the season of great harvest mm -hmm. and you will miss five to one while you're sitting there waiting on God. You need to get up and begin to do what you know to do. Begin to operate in the obedience you know to operate in because sitting there professing it and declaring it is not going to bring it into your life. Well, we see that in James 2, 17. In it, James 2, 17. It, it, it clearly says, even so what? Faith. If it has not worked, it's dead. It's dead. That's what you said. You, you, you gotta have to, you gotta, if you want to experience this year release, if you want to experience this season of great harvest, if you want to have that five to one acceleration on your life, then you have got to do something besides sitting there waiting for something to happen. Here's a good example. If you have a job and you know that job doesn't pay you enough or that job is a toxic environment, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to say, I'm going to wait on God to tell me to apply for a job for another job. Chandra said something so good the other day that I thought was when she was um, she was talking about her decision to take the vaccine, mm -hmm. right? And she made this statement right here. She says, I ask God when I'm trying to make a decision that scripture doesn't have clear boundaries on, right? Is there any reason I shouldn't? Once I know I want to go in a direction, is there any reason I shouldn't, right? So if you know you're in a situation and that, that environment isn't good for you, is there any reason I shouldn't look for a job? I'm going to look for jobs. And if it's one I shouldn't take, you should tell me. But many people literally are sitting there waiting on God to tap them on the shoulder yeah. and say, hey, you know what? You know, you need to get a new job. That is not how God is expecting us or to live. Or they just sit there and wait until they get fired. Or they wait because, and, and, and what I mean is, you, if you live, if you're working in a toxic environment, it's having a negative impact on who you are as a person. Oh, that's your, good. Your job uh, work is, is probably going to show up in, in a less than stellar kind of way. And so that's going to get recognized by your superiors. So over time, your work is going to decrease. Their uh, happiness with you is going to decrease. And then they're going to fire you. You're going to be like, well, I should have just left the job a year ago. You should have. 
Well, and not only that, when they do fire you in that situation, you go have decreased decreased confidence yep. because you stayed in a toxic environment, yep. and then it's going to be harder for you to find a job because now you spent a year listening to their negativity and about yourself. And most people want to hire you when you got a job, not when you don't have a job. Yeah. So that's the the best time to look for a job is when you got one. Always be looking. Always. Always be looking because he said he'll prosper what you put your hands to. I love Amen. that. I love that. Always. Faith without works is dead. Being alone, which then goes to Proverbs. Verse 13, which is why so many people are sick in their heart. The Bible says hope deferred make the heart sick. Ooh. So when you continue to mm. hear us say it's the season four, mm -hmm. but you don't see it, hope deferred, it makes the heart sick. It begins to work on it. That's See, mm. here's the problem with disobedience. Is disobedience is eventually going to work against your confidence mm -hmm. because disobedience is going to keep you from getting the thing God promised. Mm. And then the enemy is going to say to you that the reason you aren't getting it is because you aren't favored by God. Mm -hmm. The reason that you aren't getting it is because you made these mistakes mm -hmm. when in reality you aren't getting it because you aren't doing what God told you to do. Mm. And so hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream, a fulfilled, dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Mm. So God doesn't give us dreams mm. so that those dreams, he's not, you know, like the cartoons. He, he's not antagonizing us with our dreams. Oh, that's good. He's not antagonizing us. He's not giving us these dreams so that we can see it, but never be able to obtain it. He, he, actually, wants, he us. wants us to go after those things. In fact, he wants us to ask him for the dream he gave us. In fact, Pastor Tony taught us this. He did. He says, God will literally drop something in your heart. Yep. That wasn't even on your range. Yep. So you can ask him for mm -hmm. it because it's the thing that he wants to give you. Mm -hmm. But if you ask him for it and then he tells you to take a step and you won't take the step, then now what's going to happen for you is that you're going to be like, why did God give me this desire if it isn't even possible for me to have it? Because it, it, it's your own disobedience that's keeping you from it. Yes. So when you pray, you have to be prepared to do everything God is telling you to Absolutely. do. And, and this is the other thing Absolutely. I want to bring together. Absolutely. Many times we don't understand how God works because God deals with us as a whole person. Mm -hmm. So you can be over here talking about how you want to make more money. Yep. And God will be talking to you about how you talk to your kids. Yep. And you don't understand why you keep trying to talk to God about how you need to make more money. And then you don't understand why he keep talking to you about your kid. But you don't even understand that this lesson that you will come into obedience about how you engage with your kid is going to break open this other thing that you prayed for. I've learned that lesson in my own personal life. That's, yes. my, that's my own personal testimony. Not about how I talk to my kids, but about this idea that you'll be trying to talk to God about one thing and he'll be talking to you about another. And the thing that I asked, I actually asked him one time why he did that. And he said, because I deal in first things first. Ooh. That was Say it again. He, Ooh, said, that's good. he said because I deal in, in first, first things first. first. What you're trying to do is talk about something that, that, that may be important, but it's not the most important thing. So whenever I'm talking to you, I'm always talking to you about the most important thing. It became revelation for me. So whatever I'm talking to God about, if he talks to me about something else, I put what I was talking about on the back burner because he's dealing with first things first. And I know that if I can deal with what he's talking to me about at this moment, it's going to make easy whatever I think I'm trying to talk about. 
No, I think that's beautiful. God deals in, everybody put that in the comments. God deals in first things first. So if whatever you talking to God about, if God is talking about something else, the best thing you could do is start yep. talking about what God is talking mm -hmm. about. And we see this so many times in soulship yep. when people are praying for physical healing and God starts dealing with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that their migraines, their back pain, their hip pain, their knee pain, their feet pain, it's because they have unforgiveness. And then they deal with the unforgiveness and then what happens is their blood pressure yep. regulates. Yep. They deal with the unforgiveness and the allergies go away because God deals with yep. first things first. Now, what we think we can do sometimes because we're, we're because we can be real childlike. Mm. We think, in fact, one of your kids tried to do you like this last night. <laughs> we think that we can wear God down yep. because we keep talking about it. Mm -hmm. We can wear God down because we keep talking about it. Come on, I want y'all to get that in your spirit because some of you right now, you're like, I've been talking to God about a job, but he's been talking to me about how I handle my mother. Yep. Ooh, he been, I'm talking about a job. He been talking to me about how I handle my mother. That what what what's going on here? He's talking about first things first. Mm -hmm. He's been I've been talking to him about how important it is for me to move. He's been talking to me about handling my health. Because God, God deals, deals in, in first things first. first. God deals in first things first. And if we're gonna appropriately operate in his authority, we it goes back to what Chris said in praise and worship. We gotta bend the knee. Yeah. So if I go to God talking about increasing my business and he wants to talk to me about my relationship with you. That has to become the mm -hmm. first thing. It is. It's the first thing. Well, and, and, and the reason he does that is because it goes right into point number five, which is that he is always looking for a way to be good to us. Yeah. So he's like, I got to deal with this thing first because I my his ultimate desire is to be good to me. And if something is blocking his ability to be good to me, he wants us to deal with that first. And I say us, me and him. He's like, let's come together. Let's deal with come this thing. Come let us reason let, together. Let's, let's deal with this thing first. Get this out of the way because what I want to do is to be good to you. I want to be good to you, you know, uh, and God, God, God has these wonderful plans for us and they don't include sickness. They don't include stress. They don't include fear or anything bad. It's not God's nature to just go around punishing us. People yes. think that God, you know, you, you preached a message years ago. God ain't mad. <laughs> and no you have more. to say it like that. God, God ain't, ain't mad. No more. No more. God ain't, ain't mad. No more. And, and it's so true. God isn't mad at us. God isn't looking to punish us. The Bible says that he poured out all of his wrath on Jesus on the cross. And then I love what Colossians said because it says then uh, it, it then says that Jesus then took all of that wrath and he nailed it to the cross after he got up off of it. And so all of that wrath that people still think God wants to pour out on us is just non-existent. He wants to love on us. He wants to be good to us. And it's so crazy because even though there's still a system of consequences sure, for life and death, sure. he is the one who is always trying to reroute us out of the negative consequences. Absolutely. He's like, listen, don't go over there. I don't, listen, you can do what you want to do, but over there, you don't really want He's what's like, over there. obey me where there are no negative consequences. Yes. That's because he wants to be good to us. It's his nature. Death, and I don't just mean uh, natural death, but death in, 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 you know, you read that scripture says, um, 
hope deferred makes a heart sick. God isn't giving us these dreams uh, just so we can watch these dreams never come to fruition or die in our imagination mm -hmm. because he's some sadistic God. Yes. Death, death is not his will for us. He wants us to experience life and godliness. He says, I've given you all things that pertain to what? Life, life and, and godliness. godliness. He says, I've That's come, everything. He says, I come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full until it overflows. That's how good he wants to be for us or be to us. His will doesn't automatically come to pass, though. We did a whole teaching yes. on this. His will won't automatically come to pass. We must partner with God. Put that in the comments. We must partner with God. We must. And we cannot partner with God without obedience. We can't. We must Partner, must partner with, God. with God. You are in a season right now where God is literally trying to get you in the best situation you've ever been in. That's literally you what must Chris. That, that's what Chris was singing this morning when she was saying, "So many doors you opened, so many ways you made for us. You've been so good to us." She we was saying must, that this morning. We must partner we with must. God, and that and and because He deals with first things first, yep. right? Yep. If I am talking to Him about because what tends to happen if we're honest in the world, what tends to happen is that we focus most on what we think we don't have mm -hmm. or what we think we don't mm -hmm. need. So we focus on the lack of money. We focus on the lack of relationship. We don't. We don't have that attitude of gratitude. We don't typically practice an attitude yep. of gratitude, which as a is a freebie. If you practice an attitude of gratitude, it would help regulate your mood. It would a lot. So what we, when we do this, when, when we when we do this, when God is trying to talk to us about this other thing, mm -hmm. what we kind of do is kind of what teenagers do sometimes. OK, 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 OK. Mm -hmm. Really, I just want you to say I want you I to stop I, talking to me about I it. want you to stop <laughs> talking to me. about Right, right. And how many of you have seen, even as a teenager or with your own teenagers, that when they do you like that, that they end up bumping their head and having to come back and learn the lesson yep. because they thought they knew. Yep. And the problem with us is that in our humanity, in our arrogance of our flesh, we really think we know what's better for us mm -hmm. better than God does. Mm -hmm. We think we know. Mm -hmm. And so when God, it, it, it's just human nature, which is why we have to keep ourselves under the submission of the Holy Ghost. God will give us a dream. How many of you have done this? God will give you a dream and then you decide how it's going to make it come yes, to pass. Yes. God will give you a dream and you say, this is the way. It's what Abraham did. It's what Abraham did. why did. it didn't work out for him in that first place when he had Ishmael. Because he, he got the dream, but he tried to manufacture it for himself. Rather than going to God and saying, God, how do you want this to be? Amen. So God has good plans for you. Mm -hmm. We're wrapping up with this. That's point five. God has good mm -hmm. plans for you. Um, we'll probably come back and do these five steps again, at least because repetitive teaching is so good for you to be able to hear his plans are always good. But what do you have to do? You have to be obedient mm -hmm. because you cannot exercise your authority as a believer without obedience. This week, here's my personal challenge to you. In addition to you reading Colossians mm -hmm. is you to be it is for you to begin to pay attention, not to what you are saying to God in prayer, but what God is saying mm -hmm. to you that you would begin to pause and pay attention to what God is talking to you about. Because whatever God is talking to you about, that's the preeminent thing. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. And I believe that there will be people that as you begin to say what God, listen, you begin to hone in and begin to focus on what God is saying to you. 
that what you will see is that you're going to see some supernatural acceleration mm -hmm. and you're going to see some supernatural ease, some doors you've been trying to bust open, some things you've been trying to make happen. You're going to see that as you begin to give your attention to what God has deemed as most important, that he's going to begin to do the rest for you. Isn't that what um, Matthew 6 and 33 says? Mm -hmm. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the things will be added to you. So we want to turn our attention this week. What is God talking to us mm -hmm. about? What is he saying to you? That's where you're focusing. And then I want to encourage you, you're in relationships, friendships, marriages, all that different stuff. Just because God begins to talk to me about one thing doesn't mean that's what God is talking to everyone about. Everybody needs to pay attention to their own first thing. And if you will do that, you will keep seeing yourself positioned to increase. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I talk to so many people during the course of the week and I'm, I'm you know, we, we it's funny because we, we we balance each other. Um, and, and, and I talk to so many people during the course of the week who just don't know or just they just they really don't understand how good God wants to be to them. And so while you're while you're doing those things that Pastor Sean uh, has encouraged you to do this week, I'm, I, I need you to know God is good to you. I know how human nature is wired and human nature is wired to such that if you don't think that someone or something has your best interest, it is difficult to devote your attention to that thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what someone tells you that you should be doing. If you don't think that something is, is, is beneficial for you or something that has your best interest, it is difficult for the human psyche to draw itself toward that. It's why I tell it's why the Bible says it is the goodness of God that draws me into repentance to repentance. It doesn't say it's the fear of God. It's the it's the thought of God getting you that's going to draw you to repentance because that idea and that thought only repels a person away from God. And God knows that because he made mankind. And so I'm telling you that God wants to be good to you. God wants to show you all of the wonders that he has provided and made available for you. And so when you understand that, that gets you closer to God. And when you get closer to God, then he can begin to reveal those things to you that need to change. So I'm telling the people who I've talked to on this last week, and you know who you are, several of you, God loves you. You don't have to be afraid of God. You don't have to be like, oh, my God, I, I, I got to be perfect or he's going to get me. God knew your imperfections before you knew them. And yet he still sent Jesus to the cross to die for you. And when Jesus went to the cross and died for you, he erased all of your sin. He erased all the consequences and stain of those sins. He's made an open show of the enemy. He loves you. He wants to be good to you. He says, beloved, above all things, I would that you would prosper, that you would be in health, even as your soul is prospering. How does your soul prosper? Because you get close to God and you let God whisper in your ear about the things that's important to him. And when it becomes important to you and it becomes important to him, you guys partner together. And I'm telling you, your entire world begins to change because God loves you. I'd like to give you guys an example that I think will help you. Um, everybody who knows me knows that I'm an extremely big vision person, person and details can be pretty overwhelming for me. And for a lot of years, um, Pastor Edwin is extremely detailed. He's extremely administrative. He's going to know all the steps to get somewhere. And for a lot of years, when I would try to talk to him about something I wanted to do in a conference, something I wanted to do in my business, he would want to talk about the itty bitty details. 
And to me, that really felt like it was crushing the dream. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that that just wasn't how my brain worked. And so it, it, it still to this day, all of my team knows you don't give me a bunch of little details. When we're doing an event, you get little details to pass to Edwin because that's just simply not how my brain works. But it wasn't until I was willing to take the step of faith in this right here that Edwin Strickland loved me and that any and that he only wanted good for me. So that if he was talking to me about something, it wasn't because he was trying to stop my dream from coming to pass. It was because he was trying to get the dream that was in my heart into my reality. And so I had to take that step based on love, even though that meant that a lot of times I sat in meetings with him that were incredibly uncomfortable to me because he was asking me for details that I had never, ever considered. I think we've gotten to the point now that it's still, let me be honest, not my favorite thing to do because a lot of details is still really overwhelming to me. But I now come to that not feeling like that him pulling out the little details is trying to take the dream, but that him pulling out the little details is going to cause the dream to manifest. Right. And I was thinking about like when we, when, when I did my live event, my virtual event, right. And we wanted to do it. We wanted to add the TVs and all of that different stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. How I'm wired. It was just like, Hey, it's this big idea. We want to have this TV. We want to do da, 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 whatever. Right. And you were like, okay, we got to go to the church. We got to set it up. We got to make sure it works over and over and over again. And so for me, I remember feeling like that maybe the second time we did it, that it worked really well, that there wasn't a reason to come to keep coming back and doing it. But every time you said we needed to come back, I came back and did it. And then what happened is that when we had the virtual event, everybody was so impressed with the interaction from the technology because you did what you did. I'm saying that to say that when God deals with you, sometimes he's really dealing with an area that's vulnerable for you, right? It's an area that it is a weakness for you. And you can be tempted to want to run from that and to go into the places where you feel like you're strong. It's easy for me to go to a conversation where we're going to brainstorm, where we're going to do all of those things. Coming to submit myself to say, I'm going to sit here and listen to you. Show me what's first so we can have the full thing has been game changer. So when we're asking you to do this, do this understanding, you may feel a little uncomfortable in the space. You may feel a little uncomfortable when God starts to talk to you about something that you were like, man, I didn't even know we still needed to talk about that. Or I didn't know that was an issue at all. Keep sitting there anyway, because everything God is saying to you is because he loves you and he has your best interest at heart. Yep. And I could have continued to fight you. And I'd have made a lot more mistakes if I continued to fight you. But because I don't fight you now, now I just let you do your genius. Let God do his genius in your life. And the other thing you have to understand, you know, because I love you, I'd have helped as much as I could, but I wouldn't have fought you for your dream. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight you to help you accomplish your dream. Uh, if, 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 if I have, if I can work with you, but I'm not going to fight you. And the same thing is true with God. We won't, God's not going to fight us to get our dreams to come to pass. If we say this is what we want and he says, here's how we get there. You got to be willing to do it his way That's or because he's not going to fight you again for your dream. And I'm not going to fight anybody for their dream. If it, It's got to mean as much to you as it means to me. And if this is the process we need to get there, 
this is the process we got to go through, even if it's uncomfortable. So when I think about that, I'm like, okay, I know I don't fight people for their dream. So the God ain't going to fight me for mine. So if God says, hey, before we start talking about this new business you want to start, I need to talk to you about your attitude. Then I don't go, no, 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 I don't want to talk about my attitude. That's I go, good. okay, we got to talk about the attitude because that's the way you're going to get me there. You're not going to fight me for my dream. So let's stop fighting God and just let him do what he's <laughs> yep. doing, right? Listen, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal savior, that is the starting point. It you is. need to accept Jesus as your personal savior. This is a good family to be in. I don't mean fellowship of champions. I mean I the do. kingdom of God. <laughs> I mean the kingdom of I God. Mean but F you got to start, babe. You got to start with Jesus. You got to start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Then come on start with Jesus. <laughs> and because I don't want you to, they, I, I hear me. For you to just be a partner of Fellowship of That's Champions true. and not right. know Jesus, right. that, you, have, that, you that don't win. Mean. You're yeah. not going to be a champion that way. You got to start with you just going to be a partner. You just going to be a partner. <laughs> and so if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal savior, then I want you to do that today. I want you to make a decision today. I want to give my life to Jesus. Amen. If you are in a backslidden state and you know you're in a backslidden state, how do you know? Some, listen, let me tell you something. How do you, you don't obey God. <laughs> how do you know you're in a backslidden state? Because you're not obeying God. You could tell them how else. No, 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 no. You're not obeying God. You at home cussing and acting a fool. You and your spouse hollering and screaming at each other. Your kids hate to see you coming. You got a bad attitude. You having a drink every night before you go to bed because you don't have no peace. You need to come home to God. That is not how God is calling you Amen. to live. Come home to God. So we're going to pray this prayer of salvation. And if you've accepted Jesus or if you come home, I love it. Y'all put in the comments, tell them to come home, come home, whether it's your first time coming home or you like the prodigal son and you just woke up this morning and realized that you was laying in a pig pen, eating some slop. Come home, come home. So you just pray this simple prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, mm -hmm. I recognize that I need a savior. Yes. I believe that Jesus is my savior. He is my savior. And today I accept him yes. for as, as a payment for all of my sins. I want to be in the family of God. I want to be a believer. I am coming home today coming in home. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody says you don't do it the same way every time. Right, because I don't want people getting caught up on a formula. Right. What's the most important thing? That you acknowledge that you are a sinner and who it needs to be saved and that you acknowledge that Jesus is the Savior and you tell him to come do something with your mm -hmm. life. Come home to God. Mm -hmm. Come home to God. Listen, we hope you're getting something out of today. Yeah. Listen, put in your comments as we wrap up today what your big takeaway is. We want to remind you, come to Strategies of Success. Come to prayer on Tuesday. Shout out to all of the prayer warriors, all of the people who are learning to be faithful. I appreciate in how y'all show up for we prayer. We appreciate how you show up for prayer because something supernatural happens Always when, you happens pray. when we pray. Listen. If you are struggling and you need a prayer request, you can send it to the messenger on Fellowship of Champions page and one of our prayer team. We will pray with you. We will believe God with you. Get in the word this week. Do what God is telling you to do this week. And remember what Pastor Ellen says. He just loves you. He just wants to be good to you. Yes. In fact, being good to you was God's idea. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even your idea. Mm -hmm. So let God be good to you. And 